Oh. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome, welcome. Let's get started here. So, we're going to be talking about the love of Jesus Christ and how, right, when we apply that, our lives will change, right? And so, right, you know, we're, we're going for uh, elevation in our lives, right? Uh, and so, with God, right, God's ways point the ways to an elevated life, right? To the life of your dreams. You're envisioning growing your life in one way or another. And yes, by applying the Christian covenant, right? By applying the ways of God, by applying the will of God, by conjoining our will to the will of the one true living God, the Lord God of Israel, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? You can and will obtain those dreams, you will reach those dreams, right? And so understanding that these ways, right, they point to heaven as Christ pointed to heaven, right? Why was Christ pointing to heaven? Well, obviously, right, uh, a segment of 100 years isn't much if immortality is indeed offered. So if you are a Christian, then you believe in heaven, right? Then you believe well, that all Christians are immortal. And I really don't like it when most people say that, right? Oh, all Christians go to heaven. Well, yes, indeed, if you are Christian, yes, you are immortal and you go to heaven, right? That does not mean necessarily, right? Just by saying with your mouth that you're Christian, that you uh, are he are going to heaven or, or going to church, etc., like that, right? That That's sort of um, maybe a misleading statement, right? So be careful to understand the difference between all Christians go to heaven and all you have to do is say you're Christian to go to heaven, right? Christ says if you believe, right, truly believe, like you believe that you need air in your lungs to breathe, right? So, so Jesus pointed to heaven with each and every one of his words that he ever spoke, and this will manifest both heaven and earth, right? This will manifest in both heaven and earth, within ourselves internally and externally, within our own souls, right? So understanding that applying the covenant will manifest spiritual blessings. It will manifest material blessings. If you take your covenant, the accurate Christian covenant, and apply it to any aspect of your life, it will manifest uh, God's spirit in it and your dreams, right? The way that you want, your communication to improve. If you apply said Christian covenant to it, it will cause the manifestation, the realization of that dream of being an excellent public speaker into existence. That is the power of the one true living God. That is what working with God will produce. If you interpret and, and practice your, co your Christian covenant accurately, right? Accurately. And uh, right, so it is very important to find a teacher who has, right, uh, a good understanding of what that means to practice it accurately, right? And so, uh, right, where do we journey in order to obtain heaven, right? What, what, right, God points to heaven, right? But what do we need to do to obtain those spiritual blessings, our dreams, immortality, entrance into heaven, etc.? Right? What do we need to do as Christians? What is asked of us by God? Right? Where is the road that God indeed set in place 
and asks each and every one of us to walk in order so that we, at the time of our death, may return home to God, walking out of mortality, out of a temporary short life, into immortality, the dreams that God has for us, our destinies, right? The destinies God wishes for us to achieve, but it is indeed the crux of free will that we can delay and even prevent those destinies, right? Uh, man says, no, I'm not getting off my couch. God says, well, it's going to be tomorrow then. Man says, well, no, not even tomorrow. God says, well, then the day after that, I'll get you, I'll get you your destiny. Man continues saying, no, 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 no. But it is incredibly hard, near impossible for man to block uh, God's will, right? But they can do it, right? That is the crux of free will. That is uh, the condition of free will that mankind chooses, right? You would have to like battle against what's good for your life for the rest of your life to potentially block the will of God, right? That is what God gave us, right? The ability to disobey God, to say, no, God, not your way. And where is this uh, displayed in the Bible? Well, it's displayed in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve said, no, God, we're not going to listen to you. You've told us not to eat that fruit, but thanks for the free will. We've decided to use that free will to disobey you. God's saying, hey, I can't trust these people anymore. They're untrustworthy. And that is a really big uh, foundational aspect of Christianity, right? Can God trust you? Well, if God can trust you, if you can be entrusted with the keys to the kingdom of heaven and earth, then don't be surprised when God hands you both of them, right? The keys to the kingdoms of both heaven and earth. And yes, understanding the spiritual principles when applied understanding that they will produce any good dream, right? Material dream, a dream of becoming a very wise person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A dream of uh, emotional abundance, a dream of love, right? Yes, all of those things are contained within the Christian covenant, right? Love, right? If it's not love, right? If it's hatred, it's not contained in the Christian covenant. It's outside of God. When you step into the realms of hatred, right? God will begin to oppose you. He says, hey, that's opposite to me. Those are not my ways. That's not welcome in my covenant, right? So getting the hatred out, getting the negative emotions out that will slow us down in our lives, that will hold us back from our dreams, that is part of Christianity. It's part of the Christian faith, right? So these roads are displayed and pointed to by Christ, but we ourselves with free will, with the free will that we've been given, must choose to surrender that free will and walk the roads that God has directed us to. So what does the road that Christ pointed to with each and every word, with each and every sermon that he gave, uh, what was the purpose of pointing to heaven and not to earth, not to the ways of mankind, but to the loving ways, the asking of God to surrender each of us, for each of us to surrender our own ways, to lay down the ways of a mortal life, to, weigh, to lay down the ways of mankind and take up the cross of immortality that bring, brought Christ back to life, that raises, that gives us that immortality, right? So Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, right? This is the first commandment, right? First and most important part about being Christian, what is it? It's you shall love 
right? That's the first three words of it. You shall love, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? With everything that you are, you shall love God. And what is God in? Well, God is in all things, all creation, every aspect of life. And so that is sort of the magnitude that Christians are to focus on the one singular emotion of love, right? You may find that Christ uh, mentions the word love as he gives love constantly. And right, therefore, uh, this is the reason why he, commanded, he commands this to his disciples, to be Christians, to be loving, to be rich in love. And so this is because we're commanded by God, right, commanded by Christ, it is commanded of Christians to become seekers of love. How to become a more loving person? How can I embody love? Stay focused on love. How can I stay focused on God's loving ways and let the ways of mankind diminish and fade away, right? Ways of mankind, right, they'll lead to a hard life. They'll lead to hardship, misery, suffering, sin, right? But the ways of God will lead to exaltation, glory, blessings, love, a happy life, your dreams in your hands, etc., right? And so looking in the Bible, the examples of God's loving nature, right? Because God is a God of love. Uh, they're everywhere. If you look for them, they're everywhere. They're displayed in each and every prophet. They're displayed in Jesus Christ as he wanders throughout the entire nation, nation preaching for the benefit of others. As he and his disciples sleep in the dirt without comfort or leisure. They are choosing to lay down all that comfort, all that leisure of their own homes where they could be a feasting and living that abundant life, right? Christ was indeed a masterful preacher. He could have just said, hey guys, you got to come to me. But that wasn't the heart of the Father. That wasn't how God wants us to be, right? Oh yeah, I see that person over there suffering. Well, they're 20 steps away. That's one step too far, right? That's not how Christians are supposed to be. It is a reckless love, which God asks us to internalize. He asks us to internalize and embody this love, to hold it within ourselves, to hold it in a state of mindfulness within our spirit, mind, body, actions, and words, to hold love in a state of mindfulness in our spirit, mind, body, actions, and words, right? And to expand on this uh, command, right, Jesus Christ, God, gives us another command, right, directly following this one, to place an extreme emphasis on love. And here it is, right? Now, the second command is much like it. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine: 39, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so this sort of mindfulness of love expands into once you've got it within yourself, right? First ourselves, first we've got to love our God ourselves. Then we begin loving other people, right? And these are practiced in unison, right? We're not just waiting till we're a master of one before starting the other, because you will be waiting a long time before you are a master of pretty much anything, right? All mastery requires is every waking second of every moment of your entire life, right? So 22, Matthew 22, 39, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? 
And so when we think about that for a minute, how, what does that look like? Well, if my neighbor needed some finance, right? Well, boom, hey, good thing God invented tithing. I can tithe to my neighbor and say, yeah, you needed a little uh, funds for a car. You needed funds for education. Hey, I'm happy to help you, right? Your 10% tithe does not always go to a set up multi-million dollar uh, ultra successful, right? Church, right? Tithes were invented to go to people in need, right? You want to get kicked out of a church quick. You tell them, you tell them the verse of tithing where it says uh, 2.5% of your tithe goes to the orphans, widows, Levites, and foreigners, right? And the church may be scratching their head going, hey, where was that? Where was, where were we included in that? How are we going to do it, right? Well, the Levites are priests. However, a church is not included in that verse, right? The reason that Christians pool their finances, right, is because perhaps myself, just myself alone, I'm not making enough finance to have my 10% be able to make any sort of meaningful impact on another person's life, right? And so Christians, we pool our tithes together so that we can indeed produce incredible things, miracles, the wonderful works that God commands each and every one of his disciples to do. So, in summary, the first commandment is love. And the second, right, is love. For God is a God of love, right? He's emphasizing, hey, this is how much I want you guys to love. It's step one. It's step two. It's everything my prophets are doing. It's their modus operandi. It's why they're choosing to operate. It's out of a pure, holy love. So, becoming mindful of this love within ourselves is the first step. One of the first steps, a core foundational principle of any Christian life. If you are living a Christian life without love, it's time to really stop. It's time to really slow down. Take some time to reflect inwardly. How can I start growing this love? How can I start manifesting this love? Because a life without love is not a life that we ourselves will love, right? So, papa. Right. So when all the trials, when all the struggles of the world come in and start trying to drag you out into places of anger, away from that place of love, right? Remember, right? They're trying to drag you out of immortality. They're trying to drag you into sin and death. And you do not follow the ways of mankind. If a man says, hey, come this way, it's going to be awesome. You say, no, I follow Jesus Christ, not you. Right. And so this is sort of a a warning against watching out for sin, controlling ourselves, self-discipline, inward reflection. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be an angry, hateful person? No. Well, then don't, don't be an angry, hateful person. That is the power that was given to you when God gave you free will to choose upon which roads you will travel, to choose where you will hand your emotions. Will it be hatred? Will it be malice? Will it be these the bitterness, anger, regret, things that are not really Christian, negative thoughts, negative emotions that will slow you down and hold you back from your dreams, a happy life, and a deeper relationship with God and immortality, right? So we get those junky negative thoughts. We get those negative emotions out, right? And we keep pressing in with our 100%. We hold nothing back from God. Hold nothing back from the Lord God of Israel, and you will live. So 
becoming rooted in God's love, right, is that state of mindfulness that I'm talking about. It's realizing that being a loving person is in our best interest. It is the road that God wishes for each and every one of his children to walk on each and every individual contained within the human race, each and every one of us, right? He set the road to happy life in front of us and the practitioners of God's will, of God's love will find by being the embodiment of love itself. They will find by being the embodiment of love itself, God, his divine ways, a life they love and the nature, the love nature of God. It is a reckless love that does not always look like human love. It doesn't always just give hatred when someone else is giving them hatred. It doesn't always return what it's getting. It just keeps loving. When they give hatred, Christians, we return love most of the time, right? You should be very merciful. When someone is mocking you, keep loving them. Keep displaying the love of God, right? This reckless love of God is willing not just to love people from a distance, but to stop doing what they're doing sometimes and chase after people, chase others down unto the point of conversion because the attractiveness of God's love, it's irresistibly attractive. There is not one person in all mankind that if they could see what their life would be with God, if they could see what the product, what the fruit of love is, there's not one person that wouldn't stop what they're doing, lay down their life, and run directly to the feet of the cross. I guarantee that. And so the beginning of this, right, is growing love within ourselves, right? And love given grows. Giving love to others and loving ourselves will grow the merit of love. It will grow the emotional ability to love within ourselves, right? Seeing ourselves, we, Christians, we don't see ourselves as we are, right? We see ourselves as God sees us, right? Not as other people see us, but as God sees us, right? And God loves each and every one of us. And it's displaying this love, right? Displaying the image that God has for other people. This is part of being that reckless sort of lover, being Christian. It is the definition of being Christian to be an extremely recklessly loving person and stay mindful of it, right? And so in the beginning, right, when we are beginning to practice our Christianity, it may not come naturally. You may not be the best at it, right? You may step on a few toes. That's perfectly fine. We are practicing our faith. And when that faith grows, well, you'll be able to do practically anything you want, right? And this involves, right, a surrender to God's ways, which involves not doing anything you want, right? And so if God can't trust you, don't expect to receive the keys to the kingdoms of heaven and earth, right? Uh, so being a disciple of Christ, a Christian, meanings, means remaining constantly mindful and remaining full of love, right? And this will benefit ourselves, others, the world around us, as we reflect the divine ways of God, the one true living God, right? God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what are some methods that we as Christians can use to remain rooted in the love of God and display his holy ways 
in order to reap that abundant harvest in our own lives that Jesus Christ himself promises. So in Psalms 119, 97, David's, King David says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. And so King David is suggesting, right, meditation, right? And I'm talking about taking 15 minutes uh, in the morning or perhaps in the evening, right? And slowing down, right? Really focusing on what's important in life. Because like I'm saying, right, you can be working in asset management. You can be working as a high-level CEO. But if you don't have love, you will not love your life. Right. So staying centered and rooted in love, perhaps by meditation. Right. There are other uh, many other ways of staying mindful of love. Right. As we walk through our days. Right. Really keeping focus, really keeping rooted and centered in that Christian love. Right. This. Right. OK, so this is this is practicing the Christian faith. Right. And again, right. It's not perfection. Right. It's not hey, I said I'm Christian, now I'm perfect at giving love. No, Christians, well, we strive for perfection, but we understand that it's not possible to be perfect in anything, right? We say, you know, God sees us as perfect creations, right? But that's a a theoretical, right, Uh, use of the word perfection, right? You are made in the image of God. You are perfect, right? But right? It's more like we give a sincere effort. We give our 100% best effort, not perfection, nor some bar that God placed out of each and every one of our individual ability to reach, right? And so heaven is not beyond your individual ability to reach. Heaven is not beyond your own individual ability to reach, nor is there any individual that God placed the bar, right? Placed the road to heaven out of their reach. Not one. That is the wonder of God, right? He is able, right? God knows exactly how he made each and every one of us. And God is waiting for us to lay down those bitterness, emotions of bitterness, hatred, our ways, the ways of mankind, the corrupt ways that have led so many, so many uh, members of the, of, of the our species, right, of mankind into lives of suffering, into lives of torment, right? If you lay those ways down, if you surrender those ways over to God himself, the God of the universe, the God of all existence, and surrender them and replace them with God's ways, keeping a loving mindfulness, right, of each and every one of our own flaws, failings, knowing that With all these flaws, with all these failings, we are still made in the image of God. God loves us how we are. And while we're still rooting uh, the flaws out, trying to grow in areas of our lives, certain areas of our lives, God loves us how we are now, today. You are good enough. You do not need a Corvette. You do not need a fourth house to be good. You are good how you are today, house or no house, Corvette or no car at all. That is what it means to be made in the image of the one true living God. You are loved and known by God. The hairs on your head are numbered by the love of God, by his love. 
And so we strive as Christians to reflect that divine love nature of God. Even as we battle, right? Even as we struggle, right? That's the nature of God. That's how it works. Right. And so while Christ, right, he preaches these tough verses sometimes, like Matthew 5.30. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for have to have your whole body be thrown into hell. Right. Now, this is a <clears throat> abrasive verse, right? Sort of like, wait, I thought we were talking about love, but now we're talking about, you know, dismutilating ourselves. Right. And so <clears throat> this verse is to bear a warning. He's saying, yes, there's good roads to the West, right? There's good roads back to back to heaven, into a great life, into the graces, mercy, the divine realms of God, how God created the earth to be. Yes, there are roads to that. But hey, I love you. So I'm going to also warn you about these roads that can lead you to hardship, suffering, torment, loneliness, right? Etc., etc., etc. And often these roads are rooted in those negative emotions. They are born out of those negative emotions that I'm always talking about. Bitterness, hatred, insecurity, right? God made you good enough. You have no reason to be insecure. God did not forget to put exactly what you needed to accomplish, reach, and bring your dreams to completion by the will of the one true living God. So understanding that, it should produce a sort of Christian confidence. God loves me, so I know that I am loved. God made me, so I know that I am able. Right? So these warnings, they are they begin from a point of love. Hey, that would be bad for you if you do that. It will produce a negative effect on your life if you choose to grow that insecurity instead of growing confidence. Instead of growing love, you grow hatred. Well, that will have a negative effect on your life. So don't do it. That is why it is called sin. Sin, the definition is to damage your own life. Sin bear, will bear detriment to your own life, right? A life of hate or war is not a happy or joyous life that any man or woman loves, right? A reaper cannot fill their arms with it. A life of war or hatred, these negative emotions that I'm talking about, is not a happy, joyous life that anyone would love. No, it's opposite to that. It is a life that they do not enjoy. It's misery. So why would anyone choose misery over love, over happiness, over the ways of God? Right? It is living a life rooted in love that will produce a life that you love right? Being loving, possessing a loving spirit, creating that loving spirit, learn from God, press into God. You say, God, I need help here. I need to cultivate this divine love that Christ had. I want that love. I want to feel, I want to be genuine and genuinely loving towards other people. And the root of these verses is love. The root of that warning is love. That is why Christ is saying it. He wants us to go down the good roads that lead to happiness, right? It's saying, God, I want to lead a life that you love. 
It is God himself directing us into love, steering us away from that life of hardship lead, that will lead us to the exaltation that God has destined for each and every one of us if you follow. If you want exaltation, if you want that life of your dreams, I guarantee you if you follow God, he will get you there. To that point, right, to that point in your imagination where you are happy, you have your dreams, you raise your arms up in praise and reach out saying, God, you're incredible. Thank you for leading me to this point in my life. That is where God's ways will lead you. If you follow them, if you apply them, if you put them into practice, God, you are incredible. Thank you for leading me to this point in my own life. And this God's, God's divine nature, right? His love originates from a point of benevolence. He loves us expecting nothing in return, right? Yes, right? Let me just <laughs> skip what I was about to say there. So that benevolent love, right, asks that we bring ourselves for our own benefit out of alignment with the world and into alignment with the spirit and glory and the power of the one true living God. And God promises that even through the times of hardship, even through the times of turmoil, even to the, through those times where we feel sinful, where we feel guilty, God will stick with us. He'll stick with us through the thick and thin because that is what love does. That is the what God is displaying, why God is displaying it. He's showing us, hey, this is what love is. I will stick with you. I will walk with you through heaven and hell. Hebrews 3.15, keep your lives free from love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And these are some of the keys contained within the Holy Scriptures, hidden within the parables of the Bible that will indeed unlock the keys to the kingdom of heaven and earth, the mustard seed of faith itself within each and every one of our lives. Don't ever think, oh, I'm not enough to make it. God knows what he gave you. He gave you enough to get you where you need to go. He gave you enough to bring you back home into the realms of heaven, into the kingdoms of God. God did not make you lacking. You lack nothing. You lack nothing. You are able. God is with you. And this road, these principles will lead you to the mustard seed of faith found in Matthew 17, 20. Truly, I tell you that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing with God is impossible. All right, guys, that is it for today. <clears throat> Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't ever forget how much God loves each and every one of us, right? God wants to get us to that point of exaltation, to that point of loving our own lives, that each and every man, each and every man, member of mankind <clears throat> is seeking, right? They're seeking it. All they have to do to reach it is lay down their lives, take up their cross, and follow the ways of God. Surrender their own ways, take up the ways of God, and I guarantee you, you will reach that point of exaltation. Hey, hallelujah. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys, and I will see you guys all next time.